Hello and welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I am your host, Scott David Chase. This is the, um, apparently the What I Watched This Summer edition. It's been seven weeks since I recorded the last episode. And um, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. But um, looks like there's about 14 movies, new movies that I saw that I'm going to talk about. Um, So it'll probably be brief overviews of a lot of them, but that's okay. Um, I just saw a movie this afternoon, and the oldest movie that I saw came out, uh, uh, what was it, uh, July 8th, so, and it is August 25th right now when I'm recording this, so that's the time frame of new movies that I'm talking about. So I'll go from oldest to newest. So the last film that I saw since the last time I recorded was Black Widow, Disney's um, slash Marvel's um, giant blockbuster or attempted blockbuster. Um, This was the first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Phase 4. It was also... So currently, the star, Scarlett Johansson, who's played Natasha Romanoff slash Black Widow in um, the MCU since, I believe it was Iron Man 2, um, she is currently suing Disney because they released it simultaneously on their Disney Plus streaming services in theaters, and uh, I'm not even going to get into all of that, Um, just, you know... I tend to side with Scarlett Johansson and her reasons for doing that. So, um, as far as this being the first um, MCU movie we had in about two years, year and a half, whenever it was that Endgame came out, um, it was fun. Obviously, it was, uh, or maybe not obviously for those who don't, watch all of the MCU movies. It's a prequel. Um, It takes place uh, a couple years before Endgame. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's not really an origin story. Um, There's not much in the way of flashbacks. There's a little bit, but not much. Um, And, uh, but it, 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 Introduces us to her her family life of sorts. I mean, it starts with a flashback, but it pretty quickly comes to present day. But uh, Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, and uh, David Harbour play her her um, sort of adopted sister, mother, and father. And you know, she returns to Russia and has to interact with them and. You know, there's like a story within a story. As far as the actual story, the stakes are fairly low compared to a lot of other MCU films. You know, they're not trying to save the world per se. Um, It's more just they're trying to save a bunch of uh, Russian assassins who were trained the same way that um, Black Widow and, well, also Black Widow, the character that, Florence Pugh plays as well. Uh, it's really setting up Florence Pugh to take the mantle of the Black Widow going forward. Um, 
I would like to see more of David Harbour as um, the Red Guardian. Um, he was fantastic in this. Um, you know, um, most well-known, I think, for Stranger Things. But, uh, yeah, he was he was great in this. And um, the interaction, the, the family dynamic interaction was fantastic. Um, the um, The rest of it is kind of meh. It was fun. It was, you know, I, I was looking forward to it, but I think at this point it had been hyped up so much because it had been pushed back. The release had been pushed back three times due to COVID-19. So it came out more than a year after it was originally planned. So, and it's not an amazing film. It was a fun film, but with all that anticipation, I couldn't help but feeling a little let down. But having said that, I'd give Black Widow a solid six out of ten. Uh, let's see. The next one I saw was, uh, No Sudden Move, which is Steven Soderbergh's new film with Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro, and also featuring David Harbour. Um, it was, it's on HBO Max. I do know it did get a couple theatrical releases, but, um, it was, uh, it was not, uh, it was not released in theaters anywhere near, near where I was, but, um, it was shot in this weird sort of panoramic way. It was, you know, it was very, a lot of the shots appear to be wide and actually bend around the corners, which was done on purpose. Um, Steven Soderbergh, his own director of photography, as he often is, but, you know, he's worked with both Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro a lot. Um, uh, a lot of just top-notch actors. It was also the first time I've seen Brendan Fraser in a film in quite some time, and he was good. You know, it's not a huge role for him, but um, it was enjoyable. And um, I don't know. I've I've liked most of Steven Soderbergh's film, and actually, uh, it, it sent me down a little bit of a Soderbergh rabbit hole rewatching some other films. Um, you know, Logan Lucky in particular. I really enjoyed when I rewatched that after this, but, uh, um, yeah, I really liked it. It's, it's noir. It's, you know, a crime film and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I'd give no sudden move a seven out of 10. Um, I saw, let's see, Roadrunner, the film about Anthony Bourdain's documentary about, you know, the, famed chef Anthony Bourdain and uh, a lot of it was it 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 basically focuses on on his career from when he releases his book Kitchen Confidential and his rise to fame and notoriety and then um how he sort of just became this huge personality and also dealt with his you know the end of his life um he did he did commit suicide and it does touch on that as well. And um, it's it's a very raw film in places and particularly towards the end of his life. And I've never really seen a celebrity suicide dealt with so honestly. Um, it, it, it was almost unbearable to watch in places, but it was an excellent film, very, very well made. And I highly recommend it to... Um, 
almost anyone. Um, it, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable in places. I was kind of squirming in my seat for a lot of it. Um, just because it is so raw, it is so honest, but, um, I think it dealt with really tough subject matter in, uh, a very sensitive way. And, um, you know, having lost quite a few friends and loved ones over the years to suicide myself, it, it obviously hit home, um, you know, a lot of the unanswered questions and, you know, the, the whys that can never be answered. And, yeah, I I really appreciated it. I'd, I'd give Roadrunner an eight out of ten. Really, really appreciated that. Um, next one I saw Snake Eyes, a GI Joe. What's, what's the official title? It's the GI Joe Origins. Snake Eyes GI Joe Origins. Which I was hesitant about this going into it. I mean, this is the third live action GI Joe film in about fifteen years. Um, it's the first one in quite some time. The first two weren't great. This one also isn't great. Um, but it is a much better film than the other two. The problem is it's not a better G.I. Joe film. Um, it's, you know, it's supposed to be an origin story of, uh, Snake Eyes, who is arguably the most popular, certainly probably the most well-known character from G.I. Joe, a real American hero, the Hasbro property. However, um, his origin has been changed so much in this that he's basically not recognizable as that character at all. It's really a name alone because he literally only puts on, you know, his trademark of visored helmet in the last 90 seconds of the film. And there's no explanation of it. There's no lead up to it. It's just, it's basically a stylized motorcycle helmet that he's given, um, his, well, it does explore the complicated relationship that he has with with uh, Tommy Arshkage, um, aka Storm Shadow. Their origin is not correct, and the whole Arshkage clan's story is completely just. Um, I don't want to say butchered because it's an alternate story, but as be you know, being a. Um, middle-aged man who's been a fan of G.I. Joe and followed it since I was in single digits in age. Um, it's just so different. And I can't imagine that, you know, cause it's got a weird tone cause it's darker. It's still PGD 13, but it's, it's not a kid's movie. And, but it's childish enough that it's really hard for adults to latch onto it. So I don't know who, who this film, who their target audience was, but um, it's p- pretty clear from the box office results of the film that they missed the mark because it's, uh, it's now considered a box office bomb. It made less than half of its budget. So who knows if we'll get another G.I. Joe movie anytime soon. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd give Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, I'd give it a 4 out of 10. Um, next one I saw was Old, the new film by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I was intrigued by the concept of, you know, I saw the trailer, looked potentially interesting, and, you know, when I had seen Split, the, you know, 
the sequel to Unbreakable, although it wasn't advertised as a sequel. And, you know, the twist in his film was that um, you didn't find out it was a sequel to the very last scene of Split, but that was excellent. Um, but then he made Glass, the sequel to both of them, as his last film, and that was awful. So I was... I said when I saw Glass that I don't... I've pretty much given up on him, but clearly I haven't because I saw this. Um, you know, I was slightly intrigued by the trailer, but I primarily saw it for this podcast and old was awful. Um, just, it was, it was really, really bad. Um, it, it had the same energy as lady in the water. One of his earlier films where it literally felt like he was making it, making up the, the entire script as he went along just all the twists and turns. It literally is because the main characters are just aging at a dynamic rate. Um, it just goes from one thing to another, all these crises on a beach and, uh, they're just become more and more ridiculous. And I don't, I didn't care about any of the characters. It just was a waste of time. And, and it's not even that long. It's maybe 95 minutes long, but I couldn't wait for it to be over. I just, I hated this film. Um, so far, this has been the worst film that I've seen this year. I would give Old a 2 out of 10. Um, uh, I would say avoid it at all costs. Uh, the next one, I saw a documentary. Um, I went up to Portland, Maine with my brother and a couple of his friends and saw The Summer of Soul, which is a film directed by Amir Questlove Johnson. Um, the drummer and erstwhile band leader of the Roots, but it's about a um, it's about the a series of concerts that happened in the summer of 1969 in Harlem, and focuses on you know uh, primarily black music, music made by black performers, um, less than a hundred miles from the Woodstock Festival and. It's basically been completely forgotten for the last 50-plus years, and uh, it's some amazing performances in it. And, um, the, you know, the historical context that's given in the in the film was really eye-opening, and, you know, some amazing performances, Sly and the Family Stone, Stevie Wonder, um, you know, The Fifth Dimension, a, a, a bunch of acts I had never heard of, but, you know, it was... The music in it is all top notch, and uh, it, the the performances by Nina Simone alone were basically worth worth the hour and a half each way car car ride I took just to see it. It was really, really uh, an exceptional f- uh, experience, and you know it was Questlove's first feature length film as a director, and uh, much like Dave Grohl, you know he's an encyclopedia of music knowledge and um um he's clearly an enthusiast for for music and um so he did an exceptional job really really well done highly recommend summer of soul i'd give that an eight out of ten um next i saw david lowry's the green knight which um i love this film this was um i've been looking forward to it i really like david lowry's work and um this was you know um, 
his version of the Arthurian poem that, uh, yeah, it's been around for 500 years. And, uh, I'll be honest. I wasn't familiar with the poem beforehand. And I mean, I knew what it was cause I had done some research before and I chose not to read it beforehand cause I wanted to go into the film, uh, knowing nothing. And it's sort of, you know, the, the, what happens in it is, kind of incidental that's not what the film is about but it is about you know themes and in this film in particular how it looks and also how it sounds and it it, much like the film Gretel and Hansel that came out last year which was one of my favorite I believe it was my favorite film of last year um, this this certainly has a similarity to it particularly visually but um, yeah I love this film Uh, Dev Patel gave an exceptional performance and um it's just thoroughly engrossing i've seen it twice so far i would give the green knight a nine out of ten highly highly recommended um uh the next film i saw was also a beautiful film i again i went back up to portland uh at the beginning of this month to go see pig starring nicholas cage it was um you know, I could do a whole episode on here just about Nicolas Cage films and uh, kind of his own performances. But um, this was a very understated, very um, very sad, very beautiful film. It there were there were probably six or seven times in the film where I knew one hundred percent where it was going to go next in the story, and then it did the complete opposite of what I thought it was going to do. It definitely took me on an emotional ride and it was very satisfying. Um, but you know, uh, ultimately a very, very sad, um, meditation on heartbreak and loss and, um, really, really great performance from Nicolas Cage. And, uh, it's a really beautiful film. Highly recommended again, uh, pig, I would give nine out of 10. Uh, next, I saw The Suicide Squad, which is the sequel to Suicide Squad. Um, this is written and directed by James Gunn, who has helmed the first two Guardians of the Galaxy, also is working on the third one. It hasn't come out yet, but has done a lot of horror films throughout the years, too. And uh, this was a lot of fun. I mean, it's dark. It's an R-rated um, comic book film. Uh, it basically... Everything that the first Suicide Squad should have been, this was. And it delivered. It's a lot of ridiculous, violent fun, a lot of profanity. Um, It's the third time Margot Robbie has played Harley Quinn. And um, they continue refining this character. And um, I'll be honest, I was never a huge Harley Quinn fan of, you know, fan of the character before. And Margot Robbie's really kind of made it her own. And, um, she was great in it. Um, also, Idris Elba gives a fantastic performance in it. And uh, John Cena, who <laughs> um, is very much game to kind of poke fun at his own very macho image. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it's you really kind of have to be a fan of comic book films to appreciate it, how it's kind of dissects and puts them on their head. But it's kind of like it's kind of like a cross between guardians of the galaxy and Deadpool. Um, 
if that makes any sense. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'd give Suicide Squad 7 out of 10. Um, I saw Disney's Jungle Cruise. Was sort of looking forward to this. I like Emily Blunt and I like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, which <laughs> uh, I'm trying to stop calling him Dwayne The Rock Johnson because he, d- he hasn't been referred to that in quite some time. But, you know, that's how he was popularly known for a while. But he hasn't been The Rock in years. But, um, you know, they're both very charming people. And they surprisingly had pretty solid chemistry together on screen. Um, my biggest issue with this, because, you know, it definitely has the feel of about three different movies. And, um, you know, the use of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters in a bit of it just seemed odd and out of place. Uh, but... It was, uh, yeah, it's the the first half of the film where it starts as like a, an adventure film where it seems like the beginning of, you know, a, a, a riverboat cruise film is fantastic. It's once it kind of, once they're actually on the river and it takes a dark turn and then it sort of becomes a Pirates of the Caribbean type of movie, it's it kind of loses its footing and goes in weird places. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a twist with Dwayne Johnson's character in the third act of the film, or I guess at the end of the second act of the film, but whatever, that really just stretches credibility and believability. And I don't know, it just didn't feel necessary for, for the story, for the character, but yeah, I mean, it was fun to a degree. I did find myself bored um, at around an hour and 45 minutes. It's it's about two hours and 10 minutes long, which is way too long for this type of movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's clear they're trying to set up a franchise. I don't know that they need to. I mean, obviously, if it makes money, they're going to regardless. But um, yeah, it was fun, but kind of not necessary. Um, I'd give Jungle Cruise a 6 out of 10. Um, I did see Free Guy, which is a new new Ryan Reynolds movie, um, basically where he plays a non, non-playable character in a video game who basically is AI who attains, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like consciousness, like he basically becomes a living thing side of a video game and he interacts with some people who are playing the game. And, um, it's kind of, yeah, I've described it to friends as it's like ready player one. If ready player one was fun, uh, and not so dour, um, you know, Ryan Reynolds is very charming, very likable. And, uh, you're kind of in from the get go and it's, it's a lot sweeter and a lot less mean-spirited than I expected it to be. And I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, you know, I certainly don't don't feel like I never, ever need to see it again. But I was certainly entertained for the hour and 45 minutes I was in there. And, I, yeah, I'd give Free Guy a 7 out of 10. Um, I saw uh, the film... Nine Days, which my buddy Bob had recommended to me, uh, which it's a it's a strange I don't want to say science fiction. It's 
I don't know how I would describe it. It's kind of like an existential examination, but it was um, a very powerful performance by Winston Duke. Very, very understated and... Uh, but also a really kind of eye-opening performance by Zazie Beetz, um, which I've seen her in a few things, uh, you know, specifically the aforementioned Deadpool, but also Joker. Uh, but this was a really tender performance from him and uh, for, from her, I'm sorry. Uh, but it's basically, it's, Rather than the afterlife, it's kind of like the before life where um, several different souls are auditioning to find out if they get to become a a living person or not. And um, it's just kind of a really original idea. I hadn't really seen anything like that. You know, I've seen plenty of stuff dealing with the afterlife, but never like the before life. And uh, yeah, it's a very original film. Uh, I'd give Nine Days an 8 out of 10. Really like that. Um Last week I saw The Protégé, which that was, I wasn't planning on seeing that the night that I saw it. I was planning on seeing it, but uh, I had, there was a mix up with tickets. I was supposed to go see The Night House, um, which is what I just saw today, but uh, it had already started. So they refunded me and gave me a ticket for The Protégé. I mean, I chose to see that. Uh, Maggie Q, Samuel L. Jackson, and Michael Keaton, it's a kind of a, an assassin and her mentor and, you know, her mentor gets killed early on in the film and she's trying to avenge him. And it it, it becomes a very convoluted, uh, you know, layers upon layers of conspiracy keep getting revealed, which eh, the script is not great. Um, it, it was a it's a solid performance by. Maggie Q, I wish there was more of her relationship with Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I'm more interested in that. Um, Her interactions with Michael Keaton were interesting. um, And it was nice to see Michael Keaton play kind of a, kind of a villain. Uh, But it wasn't a great film. It was certainly better than the trailer made it look, but it's still kind of a by the numbers uh, action film. Uh, but I was, you know, pleasant, a little bit pleasantly surprised that it was better than I thought it would be. I'd give the protege a six out of 10. And, uh, I saw reminiscence new, uh, Hugh Jackman, sci-fi, you know, quasi noir film. This movie was a mess. Um, it really wanted to be, dark and of substance the problem was it was it 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 just it's a pg-13 film and to really pull off the movie that they wanted to make they should have made it a rated r film it it borrows so much from blade runner and dark city and a bunch of much better films and it's just a colossal waste of time part of the problem is um and hugh jackman's an excellent actor, but he's just wasn't, he, he was not the right person for this role. Um, he's supposed to be a man obsessed with a woman who, um, upon first meeting her, he just, he's just taken with her. And Rebecca Ferguson is beautiful. Although her character in this just doesn't really, 
exude the, you know, sort of the the gravitational pull we're supposed to believe that she has on Hugh Jackman. And he just, I don't think he can pull off or he didn't pull off the, the man utterly possessed. Um, you know, he's given us some incredible performances, particularly the film Logan comes to mind, but this just wasn't it. Um, this was a huge disappointment. It's really boring and just a misfire. Um, I'd give reminiscence a four out of 10. And then today I saw The Night House, uh, starring Rebecca Hall, um, who also produced the film. Uh, this is a, you know, a, a supernatural, psychological, eh, I don't know if it's supernatural or not. Uh, it's, it's certainly a psychological horror film. Um, not not gory. Um, there were a couple more jump scares than I expected there to be. It's not too, too many, but... Um, it's really anchored by a fantastic performance by Rebecca Hall. Um, ultimately, it's you know it's a sad film, but um, a well-made one. Certainly entertaining. Um, I didn't love it, but I thought it was solid um, and certainly better than a lot of horror films that come out there. It certainly had a lot more going on intellectually, but yeah, I'd give The Night House a seven out of ten. Uh, yeah. So that's a bunch of movies I've seen in the last year, or <laughs> last year, uh, a bunch of movies I've seen in the last month and a half. Um, yeah, I'm going to the movies again tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, the clock starts over again. But uh, yeah, hope hopefully where you're at, um, you can go to the movies if you want to, and hopefully you're feeling safe. Um, I feel better about the number of people I'm seeing in the theaters right now than I did this time last year. But again, I don't know how sustainable it is long-term and really don't know how this pandemic's going, but I have been enjoying seeing films in the theater and hopefully I can continue to do so. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.